All right, welcome in. It is midweek Western, no, Eastern Conference. This is what happens when you get thrown on a show. You know, you get Shander here. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Good news for you, Greg Ehrenberg is here and Tyler is producing. The three of us will make the most of the no house advantage NBA slate tonight. So if you're here with us, hang with us, hit that thumbs up button. It is the Eastern Conference Finals, yes. And make sure you are subscribed. Greg, it's always a pleasure, my friend. We had a chance to catch up and get all the pleasantries out pre-show so good to see all as well with you man yeah and you know i'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on some of the basketball games we had recently from from this standpoint i did the live before lock show last night i talked with with ryan about it for a little bit uh, these games have sucked they've, they've not been competitive a lot of lopsided contests and you know, once again, the spread for this game is fairly tight. Last I looked, Boston, actually, the line's been moving in, moving in favor of Boston a good amount. I think the Heat opened as one-point favorites, and now some I'm seeing the line as much as Boston minus three in some spots, so that's certainly where the action is right now. But So we can't expect this to be a blowout, but at the same time, none of these games seem competitive. What if, What's just your overall thoughts on how lopsided the games have been in the playoffs lately? It's been hard, I think, in the sense of like you're waiting for the close game to happen, right? Because both Miami and Boston have clearly got here through defense, although they they can show that they can score. And then you see the first couple of games in this series that are as lopsided, right? We see what three of four have been decided by double digits or more, and they're high scoring. And then all of a sudden you see Miami just lay this thud there. So I think from an entertainment standpoint, it's it's hard to ignore and deny the fact that double digit 20 point plus blowouts just suck life and energy away from you. I think from a betting and DFS standpoint here in the case of of no house advantage, if you can get ahead of these curves, if you can get ahead of these waves kind of predicting what we've seen so far, which I think the easiest one you mentioned as far as the line moving a little bit, I think the easiest thing may be just looking at the Eastern Conference Finals and almost expecting a 10-plus margin of victory. It's just kind of determining who wins the game. And, yeah, we've seen splits so far, but I, I don't. the majority of me, 75% of me, Greg, thinks that Miami walks away with this one tonight and we're back scratching our heads to why Boston laid the egg like we did in Game 4 with Miami. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the best strategy it seems like you could have to winning a game is you just get your asses kicked in one game. You're like, hey, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to play our starters at the end of this game. We'll let these idiots on the other side tire their guys out, and then we'll kick their ass in the next game. And then it just goes back and forth, kind of, you know, last night in the in the Warriors-Mavericks game, we saw that game was not remotely competitive, really, from the start of the game, which that's the also the other thing with these games is it's not like a team pulls away in the second half, although we have seen that. In a, the majority is the games start where it's like a crazy run to open yeah. the game. The other team never gets back into it. So that's what we saw in Boston, Miami in, in the last game of the series where I believe Boston opened the game up 16 to one and Miami just never got back into the game. So uh, a lot of these games are also being decided fairly early, but I don't think we should expect blowouts to continue when you consider the margin is so close in these games on the betting lines. And you know, I'm not going to assume that we're that much smarter than the books where we'd be like, oh, this game should have a 20 point spread. But when the line opens up as a one-point spread, I think we probably should be expecting a competitive game and just probably a lot of randomness to this point. No, I, I agree. And, and I think randomness is probably the best way to put it by all means. So when we look at, at this game tonight and you know we start to look at some props and 
and where we can attack this. And again, we always mention how, and, and rightfully so, all of our projections on Osimo, we're giving you a bunch of different things for No House Advantage, specifically like our projections, but also the optimal lineup. So if you're playing a bunch of lineups, this is essentially plug and play. We're giving you every single way in which you can bounce through a bunch of lineups. Easy as, as we've done you know, a lot with over-unders and just reminding people, and, and you've done a great job at this every show that we do, no matter the sport, as far as you know, keep an eye on guys who are zeroed out because of where they're playing. They, they have to be rostered, right? It's a matter of being rostered as opposed to just being a DNP. Yeah, and we also need to keep an eye on the injury report because the Miami Heat injuries, how this team hasn't gotten fined at this point in the playoffs is beyond me because I know you're Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, yes. They, they got fined for misreporting the Joel Embiid injury, which, by the way, was ridiculous. He passed COVID protocol, and they still listed him as doubtful on the injury report. Everybody kind of knew he was going to play at that point. He ended up not playing. They got fined for that. Uh, there was one other team that got fined earlier in the playoffs. It's slipping my mind right now. I can't remember who it was. But the, the Miami Heat injury report is nothing but Fugazi these days because they have had Max Struess has been listed questionable for every single yep. playoff game this year. Do you, know how many, do you know how many he's missed, Aton? Uh Zero would be my guess. It, yeah, it's, it's zero. So how could they legitimately claim he's questionable to play every game when he also ends up playing? So you look at the Miami Heat injury report, and by the way, there is one legitimate injury here, which is Tyler Hero. Correct. He's listed as questionable in the injury report. He also missed last game, so we're going to need an update on him. But beyond that, Kyle Lowry is questionable. He's almost certainly going to play. He's played the last couple of games. Max Struess, he's been questionable every game he ends up playing. P.J. Tucker, he gets listed as questionable every game yep. he ends up playing. And Gabe Vincent gets listed as questionable every game he ends up playing. So th this injury report, whatever the hell the Heat think they're doing, it's totally ridiculous. But the point being that I, I have to point out here is also that goes hand in hand with what you said about if somebody gets ruled out, if we take the unders on them, it's still graded as a loss. Uh, we need an update on Tyler Hero. We need an update on the Boston Celtics side. I think Marcus Smart and Robert Williams, they are also potentially not going to play. So we're going to walk through a couple different permutations of the over-unders here because different players are going to look good or bad. And it could even be the same guy, like Derek White, for instance. His unders look really good if Marcus Smart is in, but his overs look really good if Marcus Smart gets ruled out and he starts yep. again. So uh, we're, we're going to need to be up to date on all the injury news. What are you doing with a guy like Duncan Robinson? Because he's popping up here right at the top for unders. And I imagine that there is that thin line of him just not being out there, which could nullify the play versus him getting a second plus of playing time. And let's be honest. I mean, I know that he's been buried at times, but it's going to be hard for him if he's out there with the Robinson minutes we've seen to go over a bunch of these projections. So Normally, when we see a 100 to zero, Greg, it's because somebody's been zeroed out. I, that's not the case here with Robinson. We have two separate 100 plays from Alex on this. Yeah, which, by the way, we also need an injury update on Tyler Hero here. And some of the numbers for Duncan Robinson are also going to be misleading. He was actually good last game. He played 23 minutes. He scored uh, 14 points, had four rebounds, had a couple of steals. So he produced the last time he was out. But once again, there was no Tyler Hero. There was a lot of garbage time, too. Duncan Robinson has been a garbage time hero. For anybody who plays on DraftKings or FanDuel in yep. single-game contests, Duncan Robinson has come in and just lit up the fantasy points in parts of the games that don't matter, particularly in the games where the Heat have gotten their asses kicked. So game two, 
he plays 14 minutes of garbage time, puts up a bunch of counting stats. And like I mentioned last game, he scores 14 points, hits four threes in what was the majority garbage time last game. And the, the entire game was garbage time for all intents and purposes. Like, I mean, the, the game was over five minutes in. We knew what the outcome was going to be. Uh, so I do think with Duncan Robinson, 100%, that's uh, a, a little bit too confident for my liking. I understand where, where the projections come from here. Uh, but even if Tyler Hero ends up being ruled in, I would feel fairly decent about the unders for Duncan Robinson. The only thing we're really sweating here, I think, is going to be garbage time. And I just can't expect the most likely outcome is blowouts in all these games. Could you put him then as a seven to maybe, I'll, I'll give you range, right? Is Duncan Robinson unders are, I guess, Duncan Robinson unders seven to kind of five point range or because you're still dealing with that uncertainty knowing, and, and again, we're going to assume that 1.40 p.m. on the East Coast here when we're talking about this, we'll have deeper knowledge of Tyler Hero by game time. So we're not locked into anything right now. But is that like a seven to five point range? Are you still kind of being a little bit more cautious and locking them in, but maybe like that three to one point range? Yeah, um, did I say something or was that the chat? No, no, no. It's my, my dad yelling in the background. Uh, but so <laughs> better than the electrician, right? <laughs> so. So when it comes to Duncan Robinson, I'm still good with the unders and it's a really high confidence interval. So I'm, I, I think it makes a whole lot of sense here. Like I said, to put a hundred percent probability on something, uh, I can't feel quite a hundred percent, but it's also right. really hard to project for blowouts, but this is a really high confidence interval under. And Derek White's another guy, by the way, you mentioned there. So let's assume Marcus Smart plays. Are you then rolling uh, heavy unders with Derek White? Yes. So Derek White also, he plays you know, way different roles depending on who is in or out for the Boston Celtics. Last game, Mark Smart, I was pretty surprised Marcus Smart sat last game because that ankle injury, when he first suffered, it looked horrific. It was, he got his, his leg caught underneath him. It twisted. He was crying and screaming in pain on the court. And I was like, I think he might've just broke his leg. I don't think we're going to see him play for the rest of the postseason. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he comes running out of the locker room six minutes later. And it's like, I guess he looks okay. And he looked fine when he was on the court. Um, I guess there was adrenaline because he looked a little hobbled at first, but then he ended up loosening it up. He ended up playing well the rest of the game. He hit a three pretty quickly. Uh, and then he was listed as questionable, and then he was ruled out. I thought for sure he was going to play that game, but we have to take that injury, that questionable injury listing as fairly seriously since he missed the, since he missed last game. I do think he's more likely to play than not, but as this pertains to Derek White, in the games that Derek White has come off the bench in this series – there just hasn't been a massive role for him, although there is also a little bit more of a role of Robert Williams ends up getting rolled out. But let's assume that Marcus Smart and Robert Williams both play. I think we could feel really good about unders for Derek White. But if they're out, we can't feel the same way. Derek White started and played 41 minutes last game. So I like overs if he starts. I like unders if he comes off the bench. Yeah, it makes sense, especially with what you laid out with Smart. By the way, I riding the Smart 10-plus points in all series games ticket at plus 340 before it starts. I don't know if it's voided or not. Like, I don't know if I'm if it's voided since he's missed so many games or if it's only games in which he's played. But Derek White, clearly the biggest guy that that's going to benefit or just be sucked away, depending on what happens there. With and, Smart. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, one more point about this Please. before we move on in terms of the, the fluctuations that we could see in Derek White's minutes. 41 minutes last game, 14 the game before when the team was healthier. So, you know, that's, that's a very wide range in terms of a projection. 
All right. So, you know, looking at where we stand with overs, you really don't have much. We're still in this 90s range, like Kyle Lowry, Robert Williams, who I know is questionable as well. Peyton Pritchard, depending on what happens again with Marcus Smart. A lot of this is dependent on somebody else or really Lowry, who I, you know, we expect to play despite being one of 15 people on the injury report for Miami. On the other side, though, and, and I know that we have better options from a percentage standpoint, right, from unders, but the one over that really is projected in the 80s, and it is at 80, is Al Horford, who comes off a pretty monster rebound game, uh, outworking everybody on the glass on the heat side. Can you get to that, you think, tonight? Horford on the glass going over that 7.5 projection for NHA? Uh, all right. So Horford, let's see, where do I have him? So this is also something that's going to depend pretty heavily on the absence of Robert Williams, just in terms of confidence interval. I think the seven number is a good over to take, but how confident I am in it is going to depend if Robert Williams ends up suiting up or not. And Robert Williams is also another one who, you know, he had that knee injury suffered towards the tail end of the regular season. He missed the last month of the regular season, underwent knee surgery for a meniscus injury. And then we've just seen him in and out of the lineup in the postseason. But one thing we have seen, he's played really well when he's been on the court at times. There, there have been games where he's out there just be like, oh, my God, this, this guy is a total game changer for the Celtics defense. For reference, the last three games he's played in, the Celtics are plus 15, plus 13, and plus five with him on the court. And that's been pretty normal for him in the playoffs. When he is on the floor – Boston really outscores opponents, but also when he doesn't play, the minutes upside for Al Horford is astronomical. Like in these games about Robert Williams, we've got old man Al Horford is playing 41, 42 minutes and putting up really gaudy counting stats. So I like the over on rebounds for Al Horford, but it's a really high confidence interval play if Robert Williams is out. Uh, can, I, can I ask you a, a Sixers related question right here? Uh, th there is no can I ask you, you can okay. throw whatever you want. I mean, you can ask me anything at all on the planet, personal all or right. not. You can invade my privacy, Greg. You know that. All right. So I wouldn't necessarily consider this privacy invasion, but how does it make you feel to see Al Horford play this well after what he gave to your Philadelphia 76ers while he was there? I'm going to paraphrase a tweet from somebody that I saw here, but I would be totally on board with an investigation. Like if Adam Silver went and investigated that time, that Al Horford spent, you know, teams get investigated for tanking Al Horford tanked like that was a personal tank when he was here with Philadelphia. But look, I mean, it was a toxic situation, right? Look who was here at the time. Maybe he just wanted to get the hell away from Ben Simmons. Could you blame him if that were the case? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't even know that. I, I, I mean, Ben Simmons, is he that talk? I mean, he's a weirdo, but I don't know. He's that toxic. Yeah, he's, he's kind of. He combined, he's a subtly toxic individual. How about that? So, I mean, the other thing too, when it comes to, uh, let me see, what were the numbers out for that year with Philly? Like, was there any high moments or was it just shitty the entire year? I was pretty, I mean, I was high, high, but there were no high moments. Yeah. That's what you're asking. yeah, that was about it for Horford. No, I mean, it was constantly like, what is Al Horford doing? And here's the thing there were other frustrations to mask it by all means, but. It, it was a weekly or biweekly thing where it was just like, what the hell is going on with Al Horford? And it's not just, Greg, to your point about what he's done here in recent, that he's played better. I mean, this is like finding the fountain of youth times 50. It's a complete 180 from what we saw in Philadelphia. So 
Look, maybe Philadelphia is toxic. Maybe here we are boosting up these. I, I tend picks. to think that's the case. Is that it? John? I, I, okay. I do think I do think that's the case because and I, I think it goes hand in hand. But I think your guys fan base destroys any player is and a momentum. It? I think momentum builds up. Like, I think I think you get some players who might be in their head a little bit or maybe be dealing with some mental health type things like Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons. And I think the fans pile on them in a way that they can never recover. Jonathan Isaac is doing better than Markel Fultz right now. I mean, how can you expect us not to be upset about that, Greg? But Fultz, I mean, Fultz has been great when he's been healthy for the Magic. Like he's an he's an above average starting player in the NBA at this point if he's able to avoid injuries. Uh, but I don't think there was any chance of it ever working out for him in Philly. Hey, they gave him a standing ovation. All right, I was at that game. But all right, so the standing ovation, you know. Part of it is tongue in cheek. When the fans are going nuts and cheering Ben Simmons for taking a three, there's a part of it that's like, come on, what are we doing here? All right. Look, I I, I don't want to go too far into this rabbit hole because you know I will, but they people were happy. People were genuinely happy. Here's here's why. Because we saw these damn videos. Somebody would go to practice early or, or the Sixers would leak a video of Simmons like P.J. Tucker on the baseline, just pouring in three after three after three. And we're like, dude, what's going on? We saw you do that in shoot around. So normally I would say, yes, I agree with you. But I think the two anomalies happen to be Fultz and Simmons. Like, yeah, you're right. We, we don't have a great reputation and we probably earn the majority of it. Outside of the Santa Claus thing, that guy was drunk. Yeah, well, there. I mean, there's been um, there's there's been some other situations too. You know, fans throwing up on girls at baseball oh, games. It kind of it kind of feels like it's the vibe of the they city. They beat the ways. shit out of that guy. Just so you know, all right. Like, yeah, that guy that guy got his ass. You thought the dude who assaulted Chappelle was bad? They got that guy's ass kicked. All right. So at least there was some justice that would happen here, right? It wasn't just. 50,000 people filming it like, oh, my God. Well, here's the uh, the summary here. Long story short, let's yes. take the over on Al Horford's rebounds. Ah, that's the there. All right. All right. We took the long bath. That's the play. Yes, we did. This is all to set up the fact that it's a further needling of anybody like me, Lofi, awesome. Yo, anybody else here that can relate to this team? It's a further needling. And here's Greg Ehrenberg, the driving force behind that needle. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, Al Horford, I mean, he's, he's certainly looked better. And I actually, I I think, I I just think it wasn't an ideal fit for him next to uh, next to Joel Embiid in Philly. I think that's really what it comes down to. I'm just a much better fit with him in Boston. He gets to play more minutes at center. He also gets to play alongside, you know, a lower usage, big man, Robert Williams. So I, I think overall the fit makes sense here. He's played really well in the playoffs and, you know, he didn't even look that great. In all, in all honesty, he didn't look that great in the regular season for the majority of it for the Celtics, and he's he's really turned it on for the playoffs. So uh, let's let's take an over, let's take an over rebounds for Horford. I love that man. Uh, you know, Struess is a guy that you mentioned just as far as on the injury report. I, I think, and the general consensus here, and I don't know as far as how much you lean towards this or just full on accept it, but there's no way the starting five can be as bad as they were in Game Four. There has to be some sort of regression to the means right here with mean part of me too. Max Struess, I think, would be a guy no matter. And I'm looking for somebody who it shouldn't matter if Tyler Hero is healthy or not. 
Like Struess could probably get up nine to 10 threes tonight. So if you wanted to attack the rebounds, the PRA, or even his three pointers, granted, you know, Alex has him as our projections in that mid seventies, but I think this might be one where narrative slash belief could kind of help you to, to getting to these overs. Yeah. I mean, we had the starters for the, for the heat last game. I'll just read off the stat lines for him. And this is why also uh, Max Struess last game played 15 minutes. He had no stats other than three personal fouls and the heat got outscored by 33 points in the 15 minutes he was on the court. But the, here, here the, to, to your point about how the starters could only get better. Max Struess, 15 minutes, no stats. PJ Tucker, 21 minutes, scored zero points. Kyle Lowry played 21 minutes. He scored three points. We had Jimmy Butler played 27 and a half minutes and scored six points. So one of their better starters, but really six points out of Jimmy Butler. And then you had Bam Adebayo, who's been way up and down in the postseason. He was the high scorer of all the Heat starters with uh, nine points in 28 minutes. It was it was a disaster. Actually, they might have the starters might have combined for more personal fouls than points in that game because Which we has had to be historic, right? We had four personal fouls. Let's do some addition here. Okay. Four personal fouls out of Bam Adebayo, two out of Jimmy Butler. That brings us to six. We got two out of Lowry. That gets us to eight. Two out of Tucker. That brings us to 10. Struess at three. That brings us to 13. Not quite. Never mind. The starters had 13 personal fouls, 18 points. So not quite more, but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a banner outing for the heat starting unit either to say the least, but I agree with what you said in terms of when it comes to Max Struess, the rebounds prop. I think the over looks good on that one. So here's here's what really stands out to be about Max Struess. The rebound number is two and a half. And like you said, whether Hero is in or out, it would help if Hero is out. But I don't think it matters all that much because here are the rebound numbers in the playoffs for Max Struess in other games. And these are the majority with Tyler Hero, last game notwithstanding. And by the way, actually, Hero was in all for all the games before this, so what does it matter? Right. 4, 5, 4, 11, 10, 4, 1, 4, 5, 5, 5. So we've seen from Max Struess, he's hit the over on his rebound total in all of the two and a half number anyway in all but two playoff games, and one of them just happened to be last game. He's been starting for them. He's played really well. Last game was a total disaster. Let's write it off. Let's pretend it didn't happen. I think we could get behind the over rebounds for Struess. Is there anything else that you caught? Because uh, I do want to go back to some unders just because they are high as far as our projections are yeah. concerned. And if we get back to building some seven to five point plays here, but knowing that it's low 70s, maybe even high 60s, you know, Horford, Struess, I don't know if you trust even, you know, by the time you get down to a guy like Oladipo, you're in that 60 range. So we're probably just, as I speak through my question, we're probably just better off going back to unders here. What about Kyle Lowry? I know that everybody is on the injury report here, but he pops up a couple of times in this 90, mid to low 90 percentile range of points, rebound, PRA, NPA, if you wanted to attack that. And even assists would be the highest one that you could go to, which is a pretty strong, I mean, seven and a half is the line at no house advantage. And where we have the projections, that that's pretty strong, but underplay. Yeah, I would I would lean towards the under with the one caveat being that this would be a lower confidence interval play for me, even though we have a really high percentage chance right. of hitting the over. Because I think there's a really, really wide range of outcomes with Kyle Lowry's minutes. He's been injured for a little bit. And I mean, with various injuries, we haven't seen him play all that much. Uh, he's, he's dealt with 
I think it was a hamstring injury, if I'm not mistaken. He missed a handful of games. He came back in game three of the Boston series. He played 29 minutes in the first game. And then last game, he played 21. But also keep in mind, that game was massively one-sided. Who knows how many minutes he would have played had it been more competitive. So I don't know what the upper bound limit of Kyle Lowry's minutes are. I don't know if he's just kind of locked into this 30 range because they're being cautious with him. I don't know if Tyler Hero is out. And this game is just so high leverage that they say like, hey, we need Kyle Lowry out there for 40 minutes, which, you know, if that's the case, then it's hard to feel great about the under on assists. So uh, because when you're making projections, you can only give somebody one minutes projection. And I think it's reasonable to project Lowry for under 30 minutes, given what we've seen. But I think there's the upside for him to play a lot more than that. So this would have to be a lower confidence interval play for me. And should mention here, Hero is not on the player pool tonight yeah. for no house advantage. So it's even more. And, and I'm going back to reinforce a point that you brought up at the start and then just now which is just because a guy, maybe even more importantly, because a guy is not on the player pool, but so much hinges on that, you, you do have to look at if it's Marcus Smart, who's also not on here. So Hero Smart, two guys, Robert Williams is, but two guys that are not on here are going to heavily influence some plays that you have, by all means. You know, we're winding down a couple of minutes here. I, I did want to get your thoughts because you mentioned him as far as a guy who has been in, quote unquote injured this entire series, but has not missed a second due to it. Gabe Vincent, I mean, across the board, we have him projected pretty strong unders here, but, you know, similar to Max Struess, uh, even with, and I know Hero can impact him a little bit more, granted, but it just seems like we should expect a little bit more from him. However, with that said, based on maybe the no-house advantage lines, we're still better off attacking some unders with Vincent. It's going to depend on Tyler Hero being in or out for me. Uh, we saw 26 and a half minutes out of Gabe Vincent last game without, without Tyler Hero. So here's what I think we're getting. If Hero plays, we're looking at sub-20 minutes from Gabe Vincent. We can feel pretty good about unders there. If Tyler Hero is out, though, you know, we're probably looking at something like 26 to 28 minutes off the bench for Gabe Vincent. And then the numbers over or unders would just be stay aways for me. So Got he's it. very much dependent on whether heroes in or out. And I know there's other guys like Derek White, who he said, I kind of like him regardless. It's just whether I like the overs or unders is going to depend on if he starts and if Marcus Smart is in or not. For me, Gabe Vincent, it's unders if Tyler Hero plays. And then he's just a stay away if Hero ends up getting ruled out. Are there, and I know that the smaller player markets, if you will, and it's across the board, right? It might be easier to attack based on our projections where you have guys as well, Greg, and then also the injury circumstances around it. So that's probably why we don't get to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum as much in conversation, just because the, the smaller market props, if you will, have some value as well. But with Butler and Tatum and Brown, I mean, is it worth it for you to attack these or are they too sharp in the sense of even on no house advantage. You know, it's funny because when we're talking about standard, you know, single game contests, whether it be on FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo, whatever it may be, these are the guys that we're building our lineups around. We're trying to figure out what's the opportunity cost of playing these guys. Do we want to pay up for them? Where are we going to save salary? I uh, don't have to worry about any of that on NHA because we're just looking at where the best value is. And there's, there's so many guys that are benefiting because there's either players getting ruled out or players that are out there getting ruled in where it's creating additional value on overs or unders. So there's rarely a need to consider guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Jimmy Butler, because there's not that much that could happen. That's going to impact our outlook on those guys. You know, it, barring something like Jimmy Butler gets hurt in the middle of a game. Sure. And by the way, I don't think Jimmy Butler is hundred percent right now, 
But, you know, it's hard to say how he's going to feel today and how he's going to play. But I don't really have any interest in props for any of the guys that are going to matter the most in terms of the outcome of the game. No, it makes sense. And I just want to get that out there in case people popping in and be like, hey, you didn't mention anything about Jalen Brown. Well, well, there's a reason. There's a method to the madness here, the collective madness here. I see Evol999 on the chat. We're going to do you a favor, all right? When you sign up at No House Advantage, so you can start winning more than $2 or a buck 50, take what Greg's telling you, take our own projections. And when you sign up at No House Advantage, just use our promo code AWESOMO and we'll match your first deposit up to $25. That's good for everybody, by the way, not just Evol999, who's sick and tired of the low winnings. And, and that's what we got. All right. We're going to make this thing work for you right away tonight. Uh, no House Advantage. At G. Ehrenberg DFS, at Shander Show for me, Tyler. Producing, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe. Anything else you want to get out on? Uh, Papa Ehrenberg, want to say goodbye or? Uh, no, I'm curious to see what he came over about. So I'm ready to wrap this up. We've hit our, we've hit our out, our out time. All right, let's get you out so you can handle more important stuff. <laughs> Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.